Welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Sunrise Panthers Nation podcast. I'm your host, Max Riva, and today we're back with another episode. Today joining us, we have uh, Panthers prospect and Kingston Frontenac's defenseman, Braden Hachet, joining us and taking this time to uh, kind of talk, have a little Q&A with us and uh, talk his about his draft experiences and um kind of his camp experiences with the florida panthers um already getting one under his belt and really excited what kind of the future holds for um the big six for four defensemen so i really hope you guys enjoy this one because i know i really had fun and uh once again we want to give Braden a big thanks for taking the time to to join us so let's get right into it hey Braden, how's it going good yourself not too bad how are things with you Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, hope all is well for you down in uh, down in Kingston, and yeah, uh, as you start to wrap up your uh, your OHL season here, kind of in your final stretch. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's kind of it's coming quick. The season's flown by pretty fast, but the real stuff starts soon. So yeah, exa- exactly. I, well, I saw you guys clinched uh, clinched the playoff spot, so that's pretty exciting. So yeah. we uh, we wish you luck with that. Not Thank too much, you. not too much luck, as I am. Uh, I'm a North Bay Battalion uh, native, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys do pretty well. You guys got a pretty good team, so yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, I, I know the Panther Nation will be behind you on uh, moving forward for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. But uh, awesome, man. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you got uh, got on here to join me. I first off, and kind of give you a big thanks for joining me here and uh, taking the time to jump on. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. Really appreciate it. But right off the bat here, we'll uh, just kind of pass it over to you and kind of just give us a rundown of yourself where you grew up and minor hockey experiences and whatever else you want to throw in there, just kind of get right into things. Yeah. So uh, I was born in New Hampshire um, in the States. Uh, that's where my parents were uh, at the time. My brother and my sister were born there too. Got an older brother, younger sister, and my dad was reffing in the the NHL from '94 to '01, and then was doing a lot of American hockey, hockey league with uh, the Manchester Monarchs, who were Elliot's farm team at the time. So um, that's kind of where he was working out of a lot. So that's where we were, uh, and then around like 2007, 2008, we moved to Canada. Um, as he he took a role with as the director of officiating for the O, um, so we packed up, moved here, had have some family here, and then that's kind of when I started hockey here, uh, ten bits, uh, in Newmarket uh, for a couple of years, and then right into uh, Super Super Seven, and then I played uh, I played with York Simcoe Express from novice to uh, minor midget, so stayed local at home, um, so yeah, it was good, uh, and then was drafted with uh, Kingston. Uh, in the last couple of years and then uh drafted by florida recently so oh, that's that's pretty sweet and uh so what kind of what ages were you in new hampshire for like how how much time did you spend there yeah i'm in 03 um so it was just you know four or five years in in new hampshire so i kind of just learned how to skate when i was there uh, and then we we're when i was about four that's when we moved here uh to canada and then i started uh timbits when i got here Oh, right on. And you said your dad's involved in the refing. I, I think I've heard that 
kind of somewhere before that he's been involved with some refing. What's what's he up to now? Is he kind of head office there? Is he into some kind of different refing around kind of where the area you guys are now? What's he up to? Yeah, so he's still got the, the job with the OHL. So he's a director of officiating for the OHL. So he pretty much just manages all the officials uh, in the league. Uh, so he travels here and there to go to games and supervise and stuff. But the league's done a good job with kind of keeping him keeping them not like not involved with Kingston, obviously conflict of interest and stuff there. So they've just let him be a dad when it comes to Kingston games and being able to come and watch me. So um, that's been special and appreciate them doing that. But um, so, yeah, he just kind of, he manages all the refs in the OHL. So yeah, we go at it a little bit, but it's all good. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's got to be kind of funny. And obviously you said they kind of kept him kind of away from your games as much. You talked about the conflict of interest, but <laughs> that's got to be pretty funny. If there's a call that you don't, uh, you don't agree with too much, you kind of, kind of go at it a bit. That's got to be, uh, pretty funny, but, um, what, uh, so yeah, you guys are kind of wrapping up your season now down in Kingston. Um, and you guys have had a pretty good year. Obviously, it's not fully open. You kind of haven't really experienced a, a real kind of kind of I guess this is a full full length season in the OHL this year, but kind of kind of divisional stuff. But playing alongside some incredible skills um, within within Kingston, like Shane Wright, Lucas Edmonds, um, just kind of to name a few. And I find it really cool just kind of how it all ties in because my my uncle Craig Rive um who i've had on the show here before also was a, a frontenac blue liner um and i i bet you he's gonna find this pretty cool just kind of to hear how things are still kicking down in uh down in kingston so i gotta know how how have you enjoyed your experiences in kingston so far yeah it's been awesome i think it's it's probably it's got to be up there in one of the best places to play i think um you know the team had a had a bit of a struggle in the last couple of years but I feel like that's just part of the cycle in the OHL with you know only being able to have players for a certain amount of time you kind of go through those rebuild uh, those rebuilds quite often but um, I think we're starting to get the city back on our backs which is getting some more people in the in the seats um, but I think just like the location of the rink the city like if you've been here it's it's pretty unreal downtown um, and our rinks right downtown too so it's been you know, nothing but special playing here. Uh, it's kind of on its own too, uh, kind of isolated. I'd say Kingston. There's not there's not much that's super close to it, but it's. Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, we've got a you know a pretty new rink. I, I think it's only like eight nine years old, and um, yeah, just a beautiful city, and uh, really thankful to you know be in a spot like this. So um, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's hopefully we're going to make a little bit more noise for Kingston recruiting wise this year, you know, having a good team. Um, you know, a lot of players are going to want to come play here, I think. So especially having Shane Wright kind of come through the, the organization, big name there. So, um, but no, I think it's, it's an underrated place to play. And I hope that uh, more players will, you know, want to come here. Yeah, no, for sure. And I've only heard great things just from different people. And like I said, my uncle playing in Kingston for a couple of years there and then, uh, playing a long, hefty career in the NHL. So he, uh, I know he enjoyed kind of every bit he played in Kingston as well and just kind of the experiences he got there. Obviously different uh, different times and probably yeah. a different, different rank, but uh, yeah. obviously you said Shane Wright uh, going through there. It'll draw in a lot of attention. What an incredible uh, player he is. Um, just kind of talking about kind of him a little bit and how special is it to play. Obviously there's a lot of, 
uh, other great players on that team as well. Um, but how incredible and just kind of things he does. Um, and I've seen him cause just different, uh, different times. It's the world juniors or, um, even when he played for Don Mills, kind of the same age group, um, that ties into some of my family members. Um, but how incredible is it just kind of see what he does, um, on ice and off the ice, um, at such a personal level. Yeah. Shane and I came in the same season uh, as my rookie year. So we, we became pretty close friends. We had a close uh, rookie group there, uh, just going through our first year together and, Kind of Shane and I, our friendship, our friendship grew from there. Uh, we're pretty close buddies. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a special player, a special person. Um, but, you know, it doesn't take long when you spend some time with him to see, you know, why he is as good as he is. Um, just his habits, all the little things. Um, you know, he's our captain this year, too, which says a lot for, you know, his age and where, where he is right now. Um, but but he is a leader in our team. And, he just does all the little things right. And I think that's so important. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool to be around. And I think our young guys, uh, you know, I keep telling them not to take advantage of being around, you know, the special players we do have and picking up on their habits and um, seeing what they do. And, yeah, he's a, he's a special player and a special person. Uh, you know, I wish him nothing but success, you know, moving forward. Obviously, it's a stressful year for him. Uh, so we try and kind of, you know, let it loose in the in the room a little bit just so that he can kind of enjoy it because we know you know there's a lot of outside noise for him so as much as we can do to limit that at the best so um but no he's he's heating up right now too so it's going to be special to see you know what he can do and finish in the season and you know how big he'll be for us and how big he's been for us too so yeah good. yeah everyone knows how how such an incredible player he is and like you said a lot of outside noise so it's got to be uh a lot of stress and kind of a lot riding on what he's doing, but everyone, everyone knows, and especially you guys as his teammates um, know how really good he is. And um, I know he's kind of played, he's played on a couple spring teams or summer teams with a couple of my relatives uh, here and there. So just kind of seeing, seeing him and um, hearing about what he does and how he's just kind of transferred it to every level, next level. And um, obviously he's going to be a kind of a top pick in this next draft, no matter where he goes. Um, it's going to be a great pick for whoever, whoever grabs them and uh, lucky enough to not lucky enough, whoever is lucky enough to get them is going to be uh, pretty happy with the player they're getting. I think you, you guys know that better than anyone uh, kind of seeing them, seeing them uh, first class, but so not kind of jumping ship here. Um, and moving on to kind of the Panthers aspects of things, uh, you were drafted by the cats in the seventh round, um, which is an incredible accomplishment, by the way. Um, even despite not having a great opportunity to, to showcase, uh, like a shortened season in your rookie year and, um, not being able to really show all you can do and kind of the short amount of time you had with your rookie year in Kingston. Um, but during kind of that time and COVID and um, the long period of time where there was no hockey. Um, what were you doing over that time to kind of stay at your peak performance performance and kind of that game shape and really overcoming those obstacles um, to kind of stay at that top performance, top shape um, as the draft was approaching? Yeah, I think it was a hard year for a lot of hockey players, um, you know, especially the OHL guys who, uh, we never got the chance to play probably one of the only junior leagues um, in North America that didn't get a chance to play at one point. But 
Um, no, it was hard. Um, you know, the motivation piece, you know, you're always kind of, I feel like hockey players, we, we're always looking for the next date, like the next, the, you know, you finish the season, you're like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta go to camp here. I gotta be ready for camp. And then you're kind of planning your training and uh, you've got motivation because you kind of have a map in your, in your head of, and on paper of kind of what's going on, but that kept getting delayed for us. So, you know, you'd, you'd go to peak for August and you'd be told you're starting in November and then you'd go to peak for November and then you'd start in January. And it just kept going until it was finally canceled in like February or April. I think they, they officially said that we weren't going to have a season, but you know, it, it was stressful. I think being, you know, in your draft year too, um, not having that chance to, to showcase your talents and, I think for a lot of people, it was a bit of a stress to think about, you know, going overseas and, and trying to play hockey there. Um, so there was only, I think, a select few who ended up going to do that. But, um, no, I just tried to control what I could do and what I could control uh, in a year like that. So just kind of – I just continued to – I was working, so that kept me busy. Um, but, no, I was still I, – I just treated it like an off season in the gym every day and on the ice a couple times a week. And I just tried to keep my head in it there. Um, Obviously, it's hard because there's only so much skill training you can do before you're going stir crazy wanting to play a hockey game or hit someone. But uh, um, no, I just try to control what I could do and and take advantage of the time because I knew if I did everything I could uh, to take advantage of having a year off season, uh, then I wouldn't regret it in the end because, you know, I always thought there's going to be people who are going to think we have all this time and quite frankly, you never have, like, I'll never have an off season like that. Hopefully, you know, cross our fingers um, for the rest of my life. So I just tried to take advantage of it and make as much changes as I could. Yeah. And you talked about kind of going stir crazy and you can only do so much. And especially with kind of with that stop start and in, in Ontario um, where you kind of are in Kingston and, um, and that stop start with COVID and you got to kind of get a little bit of progress and then kind of take one step forward, two steps back type thing. And it's just kind of, yeah. you can only do so much and you got the gyms closing and this, that, um, what did you kind of do with, if it was kind of at home gym or if it was going for runs or uh, treadmill stationary bike, what were you kind of doing when those gyms were closed and you kind of had to think outside the box to kind of stay in that shape? Yeah. Um, I feel like the, like the hardest, like, well, I guess the most time spent at home was like right when we were sent home, like in that March area, when this all hit, um, and it was kind of like nobody knew what was going on and we were all locked down in our house. And um, I was fortunate enough that my trainer actually um, dropped off a bunch of equipment because the gym was closing. Um, so he actually on his way, you know, when he was kind of locking up, he, he brought a bunch of equipment to my house and I cleared out a bunch of space in the garage and kind of made my own little home gym. Um, you know, a bench and some, some dumbbells and, um, some different stuff like that. And then we just got creative. Like I remember doing, like, I was, I had to push my dad's Jeep in neutral on the, on the road. And, um, as like a sled push kind of different stuff like that, going for runs. And, um, I know our team, like in one of the second lockdowns, kind of like in the, the following year, March, um, yeah, that. Yeah, so the following year, we had, our coach uh, did, like, Zoom workouts. Um, so when, like, uh, gyms closed down again, we did some different things like that. So we had, like, our team on, like, a Zoom call, uh, and we do Zoom workouts every day at 4.30. So that kind of kept me busy, too. But, uh, yeah, I was really fortunate enough to, to have equipment for my trainer and kind of cleared out space to make myself a little bit of a home gym. And then uh, I got, like, a Peloton kind of, like, 
uh, spin bike at home too. And then I also, uh, I like, I have a, like a road bike. So, um, I'd use that when the weather was nice. So yeah, I figured it out a lot of rollerblading too. try and get, you know, the skating muscles, uh, still firing. So, yeah. Yeah. And no, and that's exactly how it was. And, um, especially I'm still playing hockey myself and a lot of friends and kind of family members still playing at competitive levels of hockey and kind of same, same, uh, same deal. And I know it was for a lot of people, it was definitely difficult over kind of keeping yourself busy and staying in that, that top shape. And even periods of time, it's like, crap, it's, what am I going to do? It's gyms are closed again. I can't get on the ice, but like you said, it's, uh, it's thinking outside the box, like pushing, uh, pushing your dad's car i'm sure you had no no problem with that you're a big guy right so <laughs> you probably had no problem with that but it's thinking outside the box if it's going for runs if it's getting a skipping rope out if it's kind of doing the little things and it's tough right and you said it was kind of um go back to that stir crazy part and just kind of kind of um depressing part of not experiencing really uh and we'll get into this more a little bit um but not experiencing a, a, a actual NHL combine or um, experiences like that, like you would in a normal year with all the COVID and stuff going on and not even a normal year in the NHL last year. So it's just um, thinking outside the box and doing those little things. If it's, I know I was on the rollerblades a lot myself and I know a lot of people just kind of when the rinks are closed and you kind of have nothing else to do, but yeah, you were drafted seventh round. Um, kind of amazing accomplishment even not having those experiences um, as one would in a normal year and now moving on to your first experiences at an NHL training camp as well as um, participating in the NHL prospects tournament uh, as well as a couple preseason games if I'm not mistaken how were yep. your experiences with with all those and we'll start off with the prospects tournament um, playing with some elite talent you got um, Anton Lundell who's doing some incredible things in the NHL this year, uh, Grigory Denisenko, and that's Spencer Knight and that, um, and that's to only name a few of the incredible talent you're playing alongside. What, uh, what were your experiences like in the prospect tournament? Yeah. So it was obviously a bit of a whirlwind and obviously it was kind of like, I was living a dream the whole time. Um, but no, it was, you know, there's such a first class organization and it was, it was just so cool, but those games in, in Tampa, those are the first games I had played since uh, March of my rookie season. Um, so it's been almost a year and a half since I had played a, you know, a high level competitive game. So uh, it took me a bit to get back into game situations, but uh, no, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. And there was a lot of, you know, like you said, uh, talented players there and, um, you know, Ludwig on the back end too, who's coming back from an injury now that happened at that camp, but playing with him for a little bit and, you know, Kirstead and some, some high level talent on the back end. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, obviously just, you know, being able to travel, um, you know, I had never been, been to Florida, so it was kind of cool to go there and to Tampa and, uh, we went to a, a Bucks game while we were down there too. So, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, and the hockey's just, you know, it's so fast paced as everyone's trying to prove themselves. Right. And, um, but no, it was, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, no, I, and you talk about the elite talent, and I even forgot to name those those couple, and you got Max Gildon, you got John Ludwig, yep. who you mentioned, uh, Matt Kirstead, who's, who's having a great year, um, and his games played with Florida and, and in, down in Charlotte, 
um, and just kind of the elite prospect group. And you talked about um, you hadn't played other than that game in Tampa that you got into, which is um, a lot of, a lot of elite talent in those, in those different groups, but you hadn't played, like you said, there was, you guys kind of the only one of the only uh, junior major junior groups, not really playing um, and kind of not really getting a, a chance to uh, chance to get into to that game shape other than what you kind of had at the time. So it had to have been uh, pretty, pretty uh, surreal, but pretty uh, special at the same time. Yeah. And just being able to, you know, throw on an NHL jersey that has your name on it. Um, pretty cool feeling. And to be able to wear the equipment and just, you know, be treated like a pro. Like I remember, you know, telling people I pretty much got off the plane, grabbed my bag, and then I didn't touch my equipment until I, I had left, uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale uh, almost a month later. And that was, you know, we had traveled to Tampa and we had traveled back and, you know, move practice ranks and you're just treated like a pro and it's, it's what you dream about um, as a kid. And it didn't, you know, just being there gives you that much more motivation to, you know, work to get there. Yeah. And you got, a, I, if I'm not mistaken, you got a couple of cracks at a couple of preseason games there um, in the lineup with some incredible guys. I'm not, not off the top of my head. You probably know better than I do with some of the guys that you're in with, if it was Mackenzie Weger or Aaron Eckblad or, uh, Brandon Monter, Gus Forsling. Um, how are your experiences and how crazy was it to uh, having a chance to get in the lineup with if I'm not sure if Barkoff was in there or Huberto or Berhagi or some of the different guys. How how crazy was it just to kind of get into a locker room and get into an actual game situation with those players? Yeah, so I played I played in one preseason game um, against Nashville. Uh, you know, I didn't know until the night before when they had sent out the rosters for the following day. Um, and it was pretty crazy. I remember, you know, texting my parents and telling them that I was in the lineup for, you know, an NHL preseason game. And, uh, just to think about it was pretty crazy. And, um, yeah, I was, I actually didn't, Ekblad and, uh, and Uyghur were on the other team. So I didn't really get the chance to talk to them, um, at all through camp, but hoping that I'll be able to next year. Um, you know, Uyghur obviously being a, a seventh round pick as well, it'd be cool to, you know, exchange a conversation with him as I'm somebody who's trying to work my way up uh, as well, like he did. And Ekblad, obviously, you know, arguably one of the best defensemen in the, in the NHL, if not the best. So um, pretty crazy, cool people uh, to be around, uh, but no, on my team there, yeah, I had, uh, Montour and, and Forsling and Gudis. And um, yeah, it was a pretty cool, uh, cool team. Barkov, Verhaggy, Reinhardt, uh, Duclair, Thornton, um, know Bobrovsky and that too and uh yeah it was pretty surreal um you know just being around those guys every day um because that was my group for main camp but no that game was awesome uh you know being in their dressing room and preparing and you know like it would be like in an NHL game and um you know taking the ice in an NHL arena with you know people in the building too and uh, against an NHL team so uh it was it was pretty crazy obviously you know, the first shift was like a splash of cold water in the face. Uh, it's it fast game, but um, the guys were really good, uh, you know, making sure I was, you know, I felt all right and kind of dummying down my nerves a little bit and um, just letting me play. So it was it was pretty cool. And, you know, I look forward to hopefully getting that opportunity again. Yeah, for sure. And we're really excited to see you and how you kind of develop moving forward. And you talked about Mackenzie Weger and him being a, a former seventh round pick as well. And not, now being one of the top 
uh, defenseman uh, in the league and uh, playing alongside Aaron Ekblad too. So um, that's got to be uh, hopefully next year you kind of get to connect with him a little bit and kind of talk, chat him up about, on his story a bit and kind of the hard work and he put into put into his craft. Um, but yeah, you got into a game with some of those uh, incredible guys. You talked about Joe Thornton, who's had such a, uh, a long successful career um, is almost even an understatement for him um, of how, how successful he's been in the NHL. Um, and Sergei Bobrovsky, two-time Vezina trophy winner, although he's a goaltender, it's got to be so surreal to see how um, someone who's such a professional kind of does it um, at such that, at that uh, such a high level um, of hockey. How, how far into the game did it kind of take you? I'm not sure if you kind of settled in right away and kind of shook the nerves right off, but how, how, uh, how far into the game did it kind of take? All right, I'm here. I'm, I'm settled in. I'm, uh, this is just hockey. I just got to do what I got to do and, uh, do what I can do to help the team. Yeah. Um, I think probably after the first period, I kind of sat back and was like, you know, that, that was pretty wicked. I was trying to, you know, keep myself, um, you know, focused at the same time with just enjoying the moment um, and doing what I could. And I tried to just do that throughout all camp and try and, you know, take the pressure off myself a little bit um, and just enjoy it. Cause I feel like, you know, that first time experience, you know, that feeling so cool and, you know, it's one I'll never, never forget. So I just tried to enjoy it at the same time um, as, you know, doing what I could. So I think after the first, I was like, you know, after getting some shifts and and some different, you know, scenarios, I kind of, um, you know, it helped me a little bit feel a little more comfortable with the game. And, um, you know, I remember talking to Lomberg, who was, uh, I think he was a couple seats over from me and just saying, you know, how fast these preseason games are um, just because everybody's flying around. And, you know, even hearing, hearing a guy like that say that it was, you know, pretty fast kind of gave me some comfort is like, oh, it's not me just sitting here going, holy smokes, this is fast. But, um, you know, I think that was the biggest thing with just, you know, a glimpse of playing what it's like to play at the next level and the speed and the decision making and, you know, the difference between, you know, battling a 25 year old in the corner to battling an 18 year old in the OHL. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's kind of the big thing that everyone always talks about when kind of jumped into the next level, uh, especially at the NHL is how fast it is. So it had to be a bit, uh, quite a bit comforting to hear that someone like Ryan Lomberg or guys like that were saying it was, uh, it was pretty quick out there. So that's, that had to have been a, a good uh, kind of pat on the back, uh, reassuring type thing. Yeah. Kind, kind of backtracking here now um, leading up to the draft, it was the first year with Florida's kind of new management with Bill Zito and um, kind of the new guys that were brought in um, the management Bill Zito's first draft with the Florida Panthers Um as well as your, your draft. And, uh, what, what were the experiences looking like for you? Obviously not a, a regular year of, um, kind of what everything else looked like in the past, but what were your draft experiences looking like? Did you know you were coming to Florida? Um, did you have an idea or was it just kind of way out of left field? Uh, I kind of tried to, you know, limit my expectations going into the draft just because I, you know, I hadn't been able to showcase myself and, you know, being a rookie in my first year in the OHL, you know, you don't play a lot. Right. So I played like 29 games and, you know, as a first year, you're only getting, you know, five, seven minutes a night. So I, I tried to kind of take the expectations and the pressure off myself because, um, you know, I couldn't control what was going to happen that day. Um, but obviously, 
you know, no matter what you tell yourself, you're going to get nervous and you're going to think about it. It's the NHL draft. So, um, no, I had a, I had a great connection with, uh, um, Florida and a zoom call, uh, only actually about like a week and a half, two weeks prior to the draft, uh, they had reached out and we had a zoom call and I had a great connection with them, uh, via zoom. Um, so, you know, I had, I had confidence in myself with what, you know, our connection was on zoom and, um, you know, that, you know, potentially if it, if it came down to maybe a later pick, then, uh, you know, I could, I could be, my name could be on the table of discussion. So I think that was kind of a comforting thing for me, but, um, there's a couple teams that, uh, I thought I had a good connection with, but, um, I tried really not to overthink it. Uh, and then kind of throughout the draft, I was, I was watching a little bit. Uh, I tried to go golfing in the morning on, on draft day and, I kind of came back home around third, fourth round. And, um, but no, I, and then the seventh round hit and I kind of just told myself, I was like, you know, there's a chance that it might happen. I don't know who or what team, but um, at that point I was kind of telling myself and preparing myself that it wasn't going to happen. And just to focus on what I could do in the off season and be, be ready for this year's draft. And, um, and then it actually hit a commercial break when Florida was on the clock and it was Florida's last pick. So, but at that point I was a little discouraged and um, I was like, ah, it's not going to happen. And then uh, my sister refreshed the draft list from her room upstairs and then yelled down Florida. And then the broadcast came back on and my name was there. So uh, it was kind of mayhem from there. Um, obviously celebrating with my family. Um, and then, yeah, I, I kind of blacked out at that point. It was a pretty surreal moment. Um, just kind of going crazy, you know, pacing my house, not knowing what to do. And, you know, later getting a call from, from Brian McCabe and, you know, Bill Zito and being able to talk to them is a pretty surreal moment. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, did you, did you stock up on your Panthers merch after you, uh, after you were drafted? I guess it's kind of hard to find uh, any Florida Panthers merch in Ontario, but. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's impossible. My dad took off. I think my dad took off in the house within 10 minutes of my, of getting, of me getting drafted and hit like all the sports stores that were local, trying to find a Panthers ball hat that I could wear <laughs> um, just it's for the impossible. night. We had family coming, but he couldn't find anything anywhere. And then it was one of my brother's friend's dad who had like a super old Panthers hat. And I ended up wearing that um, just as we, we celebrated in the house and, um but no and then florida actually sent me i remember the day i was i was out my dad said you might want to come home you got a package and it was this massive fedex box full of you know i had a draft jersey with my name on it uh that i got in my room now and uh had a nice duffel bag and it was just full of swag and you know shirts and golf shirts and long sleeves hoodies all that kind of stuff so that was pretty cool when i got some of the team stuff and then obviously getting getting more at camp but being able to being able to have that's pretty cool I know my my friends who their hockey hockey dreams didn't didn't play out as much you know they they were all there I thought it was the coolest thing and it was it was kind of cool to share those moments yeah no that's awesome and it's it's difficult to find uh panther merch anywhere trust me I I got a part-time job at a sporting goods store uh in my hometown and even then it's nearly impossible to find uh, something with that Panther crest on it, but uh, I'm glad they sent you all everything you need. And that's gotta be pretty special with your, 
the draft jersey with your name on it and uh, whatever, whatever, whatever else they sent you, that's got to be pretty uh, special. And even seeing kind of your name pop up onto that list um, yeah. and kind of getting your, your sister yelling down Florida at you, that's it had to have been a surreal moment once again um, of just kind of dreams come dreams come true and still obviously uh, still working hard at uh, at kind of making them making them even possible and kind of expanding on what you can do and um, yeah well, that's got to be pretty awesome yeah yeah special moment one I'll never forget if I could go back to a day in my life it'd be that one to relive it um, but yeah it just gives you a lot of motivation to move forward for sure. And I know, I know a lot of people will, will take that to heart, especially some of the different uh, young athletes listening in on, uh, on that piece of advice, but yeah, moving forward here, I've seen a lot of stuff kind of connected to you um, with being hockey gives blood. And um, I'm not sure if everyone knows how it kind of fully works. And um, even if you can kind of update me on kind of how it works, but you are a hockey gives blood ambassador um, you kind of fill that role. Um, but in that role, what kind of tasks and duties do you kind of take on of being part of such an amazing thing? Yeah, um, it's been a kind of a light that's been, you know, brought onto my life in the last couple of years and something that I, I take a lot of pride in. Um, but no, kind of what it looks like for me is I just, you know, obviously using my platform and my, you know, following um, and even just the city of Kingston. Uh, to just, you know, educate them on donating blood and giving people reminders of how easy it is and how easy of a process it is and, um, you know, how good it makes you feel and really in, in general how much it's needed in the world. Um, and I think that's just a big thing that I try and do and I try and donate when I can. Um, I've donated uh, seven times now. Um, so I just try and spread the word and, um, you know, keep it going on my social media platforms and, you know, educating people on, you know, what they could do to save a life. So, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty cool. And uh, I was fortunate enough to win the uh, Dana bronze award who, uh, you know, it's, it's more known in Canada, but kind of in the hockey world, uh, the uh, it was the athletic therapist for the humble Broncos and they, um, they made an award after uh, she had passed tragically in that crash and yeah. uh, she was an active blood donor. Um, so they had made an award in recognition of her and I was fortunate enough to be the recipient of that award last year. So I, I take a lot of pride in uh, hockey gives blood and what it can do in the community. Yeah, for sure. Obviously a, a tragic accident that, uh, that really uh, came upon the, the whole hockey world and not no, kind of no matter where you were, especially, especially around Canada. Um, but uh, no, that's awesome and great on you for, for being a part of that. How can people kind of listening in and um, kind of tie themselves to that and kind of get involved and um, even just little things, if it's kind of sharing things on Instagram or social media, how can they get involved to, to kind of just um, help out with that process? Yeah. So uh, I've got social media. You can follow uh, hockey gives blood. They're on, they're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then, also, my accounts, it's just my name. I've got the, the link in my bio um, to hockeygivesblood.com. Um, and you can go you can go there and take like eligibility quizzes to see if you're eligible to donate. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can kind of go from there. They have all the, like the fine print details if you want to know a lot, um, you know, regarding exactly what you're doing. Um, but even just sharing the post of Hockey Gives Blood, because, you know, if you're not someone who's either comfortable with donating or can't, 
um, you know, maybe somebody that follows you can. So I think just the biggest thing is just spreading the word. And um, really, it's been cool to see how how much hockey has blood has grown across the CHL and the NHL and, you know, women's hockey from junior all the way up to professional. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it can go as well. Yeah, no, awesome. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people and uh, it's going to be awesome to see how the different people that get involved. And um, it's great on you um to get involved with that and i know i'll uh, i'll be taking a look and kind of see what uh what you kind of have and making sure post notifications and whatnot for the hockey gives blood on social media and stuff but uh yeah no that's awesome so now kind of moving away from kind of the more serious long questions we got some uh rapid fire kind of fun questions from different fans and um they put a thread out on twitter just to to see what people would throw back and just some uh, some fun questions. So we'll get right into those. Sounds good. All right. So starting off, what is your favorite go-to or pre-game meal? Uh, right now uh, I'm on, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty cliche, but uh, uh, rice and chicken thighs right now. So that's kind of what I've been doing this season. You know, that's, that's awesome. I like to hear it. What is your favorite TV series or something most recently that you've really enjoyed that you kind of binge watched or uh, kind of in general, what's your favorite TV series? Yeah, um, we went in through some COVID trouble. Uh, we were kind of on lockdown for a little bit, our team. And when I got it, I, I started and finished Yellowstone. I uh, really liked that show. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably put that on the top of my list. Awesome. Who is your favorite team and player growing up? Well, I was uh, I was number 21 growing up because uh, my favorite movie was Miracle on Ice and Mike Ruzioni was a captain there and he wore number 21. Uh, and then my family's French. My dad's side of the family's French. Uh, so I was a Canadians fan growing up uh, and Brian Gianta wore number 21 when he was the captain there for a little while. So watched them a lot and Subban when he was there, too. But uh you know, obviously a lot of big, big defenseman fans. So I always watched all the, all the top D, you know, Hedman and Ekblad and Dowdy and all those guys. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, all right. So moving on to the next one here. Do you tape your stick toe to heel or heel to toe? I tape it heel to toe. Heel to toe. You're one of those guys, eh? Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite music artist? Who are you, uh, whose playlist are you putting on there? Who's, uh, whose kind of album are you throwing on before a game? Ooh, well, um, it differs. Um, I'm a big country guy, like on a day-to-day basis. Uh, love country. Kind of not really a, a huge, like, favorite artist, but uh, big, like, Jason Aldean, James Barker band. Um, a bunch of those guys. Uh, not really anything I don't like. Um, and then uh, I do do the music in the room. Um so before the games, it depends. We usually throw on a little bit of Nickelback before we get out there, but uh, it kind of differs whatever the boys are feeling that day. Um, so it kind of flies all over the place genre-wise before the game. A little bit of burn it to the ground with Nickelback, or what do we, what do we think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got <laughs> it. Classic. We got, Classic. A, we got a rocking speaker in the room, so we blast that. It gets the boys fired up. Is, is anyone against what you're throwing on? Is there anyone that's kind of – that doesn't have the same taste or is everyone kind of, kind of good? With uh, it depends. Like, I feel like some guys usually wear their headphones, but I feel like everybody just kind of buys into, you know, this is what's playing. So might as well yeah, like exactly. it. Get, get used to it. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the, the, or heard of the most recent trend on TikTok or whatever, and um, someone's kind of throwing it on here to, to ask you, but are you are a wheels or a door guy? <laughs> um, I thought about it a lot, um, but I think I'm going to go with doors on this one. And I think that's like just with like the amount of, you know, buildings and um, in the world, I feel like there's, I don't know, like, I feel like it tops cars. Like, you know, you got to look at like jails in the world and all the buildings. Like, I don't know. I think I'm going with doors on this one. I yeah, thought it, about it a little bit, but it's, I, my it's yeah, it's so tough, right? Cause you got, <laughs> you got so many doors and it's so many doors, so many wheels. Um, but I, I don't know, like you got to, like you, there's so many doors, but then you got to think, um, I, I guess you're right. You got mailboxes, you got jail cells, you got, yeah. so it, it's, it's tough, but, uh, I think you might be on, on the right track with doors. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any pregame superstitions? Um, I try and kind of keep myself a little bit like not, I, I have routines, but I wouldn't say like crazy superstitions. Like I got handshakes with the guys and stuff, but um and a good routine that I you know I do on game days and stuff but I try and stay away from like like crazy superstitions just because I don't I don't want to throw my mind in a loop if something goes wrong or I don't do something one day and I start thinking about it so um you know I got my little things like you know right skate before left skate and just routines and stuff like that but uh nothing out of the ordinary I wouldn't say yeah, no, it's, that's kind of, kind of how I am too. You don't want to kind of throw yourself for, uh, for kind of one thing goes wrong and there goes your game, right? You don't yeah, want to kind of yeah, play, exactly. play any mind games or anything like that, but, uh, yeah, something, something minimal, like kind of putting your, putting your left sock on before your right or something like that doesn't kill. Yeah. Would you rather a day by the pool or a day by the beach? Um, I think after camp, I'd rather a day on the beach. I spent a little bit of time at the beach when, when I was at camp. So, uh, and I really enjoyed that. I do like the pool, but I think I like the beach a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I think I'd have to agree with you on that one, especially, especially you're, uh, you're living in Ontario as well. So it's, you don't get, you don't get, uh, that sunny sunrise beach too often here yeah, exactly. and, uh, yeah. like you got yeah. you got some during the summer's hot days but you know what it's it's hard to say no to a beach yeah yeah what is your favorite or go-to video game oof um you know what i don't even think i've turned my ps4 on a couple weeks uh I'm not a huge video game guy but i do i do like uh i play a lot of nhl if i'm gonna play um a little bit all over the place though. Like I've played Madden, played 2K. Uh, I have the games, but not a huge Fortnite guy. I always sucked at the game, so I wasn't as fun to play. But um, no, probably NHL if I'm gonna play one. Yeah, no, I, I'd have to agree with you on that. Is there anyone yet you know of on the on the front next that are that are like to play the, the the video games a lot? I remember, like, I remember Shane being pretty good at Fortnite when we played my first year, and I always suck, so I just play in, like, you know, squads with them and stuff, but um, <laughs> there are some guys who, I remember there was a guy my first year, Luke Druitt, who, he doesn't play in the league anymore, but he was, like, I don't know, in, like, Canada rankings or something for NHL, but I was never, I don't, I don't think we have a lot of huge video game guys on our team, um, or they're just not as, I know the Europeans are into, they play FIFA, like, 
Chromiak and our goalie Marilyn, and he they play a a lot of FIFA. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, so moving on to the next one here. In what order do you put uh, these equipment item on, uh, items on? So you got your shin pads, your pants, and your skates. See, I used to do it just normally, um, but I've switched up a little bit. Um, I go skates, uh, shin pads, pants. So I I only changed it just because I thought it was more comfortable when I was getting dressed. Like I wasn't like restricted with my pants on leaning over to tie my skates. Um, so I kind of like that now. I just throw my socks on, tie my skates just in like my gitch and, uh, and then throw the shin pads on and then throw my pants on uh, over top. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, I get that. I'm a, I'm a classic guy just going kind of yeah. shin pads, socks, pants, skates. I, I just, I, I hate having to kind of pull my, my pants over my skates and then yeah. I guess I guess it's not too much of a hassle I guess I'm just overthinking it too much but <laughs> it's yeah uh, I, just, I just thought it was like nice to, to be able to tie my skates and just kind of chill there for a bit and not not really have anything else on but yeah I don't yeah. know I tried it once and I was like oh I kind of like it and just yeah. went from there yeah no I get that too oh other than uh your kind of home arena of Kingston um what I guess you kind of haven't experienced them all too much, especially with kind of the closed divisions this year, but other than Kingston, what's your favorite uh, city and kind of arena to play in or kind of what you've experienced kind of where do you like to play? Yeah. So my first year, I haven't played in all the West rings just because I wasn't in the lineup in all of them. Um, but I got lucky enough. We played, we played a London Kitchener back to back and I played in both, um, which those are kind of the two top ranks in the OHL. So uh, I really like obviously London being a double bowl, you don't get that in the, you know, the only rink in the OHL to have that. So that was obviously pretty cool. And uh, they packed the barn and warmups, which, you know, you don't get a lot in this league either. So it was kind of cool to have people there. And, um, but I really, I really liked Kitchener too. Uh, it was really bright in there. And I don't know. I just really liked playing in that rink. And um, so those two have to be at the top of my list. Um, yeah. I'm excited to, to go back there next year when we play the West. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, kind of turning into the NHL now here, out of uh, the 32 teams around the league um, and other than Florida, what is your favorite, um, and I'm not sure if you know them all, um, but what is your favorite reverse retro jersey? Ooh. Um, ooh, I don't even know them all. Um, that's a good question. I've seen a lot of cool ones. Um. You can even give me your favorite, just like cl- classic jersey, just kind of the regulars. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like the only ones I'd be more familiar with is like the Heritage Classic ones playing on NHL and picking those jerseys. Um, I always, I always really liked uh, the uh, like the cream colored um, New York Rangers ones. Like, oh, yeah. do you know which ones I'm talking yeah, yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of like a tan. I thought those were pretty sick. And then obviously I thought I always liked the baby blue pens ones. Um, those were kind of cool throwing it back a lot, but um, I'd have to even look into the retro jerseys. I haven't, I haven't seen all of them. I know there's always mixed opinions on them. So it'd be interesting to get into that debate. Yeah. I know. I know a commonly favored one being the, uh, 
the avalanche one with kind of the tie yeah. the Nordiques yeah. logo. And, yeah, yeah, and I, I forgot about that one, so I'd have to throw that up there too. Those were sick. Yeah, no, for sure. And then you got kind of got the purple Arizona Coyotes with the the Kachina yeah. logo, and then you got LAs with the Laker colors and the. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, so the, just to name a couple, those are the, kind of the commonly uh, commonly favored ones, but yeah, yeah, but right there that kind of wraps up everything for for those questions and kind of the rapid fire but uh yeah that pretty much does it but i just want to say a big thanks once again for taking the time um and to jump on here and kind of best of luck with the rest of your season and moving into the playoffs and i'm not sure if you have any more more regular season games in north bay against the battalion but uh if you hear some guy heckling heckling you um once you're when you're going to the dressing room uh you'll know who it is with the with the straight of the sunrise hoodie on yeah yeah um no we don't we don't play anymore in north bay but there's always a chance we meet them in the playoffs so um but yeah no thanks for having me i appreciate it appreciate your time too and uh, it was fun yeah no for sure thanks Braden. yeah <laughs> That right there will wrap up today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, I know I really did talking with Braden and get to know Braden and um, talking about his his hockey experiences may be with the Florida Panthers and his draft experiences and uh, his first training camp and whatnot uh, to his experiences with minor hockey and now uh, most recently with the Kingston Frontenacs um, as his team approaches the playoffs. Um, in the OHL so uh, that it that does wrap up today's episode and uh, stay tuned for more to come make sure you uh, stay tuned on for more things posted on Instagram and Twitter at straight of the sunrise on both Um, and so you can get all your Panther Nation news so until we talk again next time let's go cats